Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. From the blackest corners of your mind, they call, pulling you deep into shadow, twisting your senses, keeping you from sleep. It's time to face your darkest fears. This is Tales to Terrify. Good evening, children of the night, and welcome. We've got a bit of a shorter episode in store this week. I've been a little under the weather for the last little while, which I refuse to believe has anything to do with the fact I had my 40th birthday earlier this week. As a result, though, we're going to sit tight this evening, skip the sightseeing, and dive right into our fiction. First, though, is your weekly reminder about submissions. Let's keep the stories flowing. We've continued to have a fairly steady stream of horrors flowing into our submission system. But, call me greedy, we want more. TalesToTerrify.com slash submissions. Submit your own fiction, or spread the word, and help us keep the tide of darkness rising. Speaking of spreading the word, A huge thank you to listeners Q2356 and Lem775 for the amazingly kind and thoughtful reviews you shared recently. Hearing that you not only enjoy what we do, but actually gain some inspiration from it, really does warm our cold hearts, and make this all so worthwhile. This week, we have three short tales for you, but before we dive in, I just want to remind you that if you have any sensitivities to certain themes or topics, we do our best to include trigger warnings in the show notes. The first story this week may be a tough one for some, so it felt like a good time to remind you. Our first story this evening 
comes from Tony Logan. Four decades ago, an ebony egg hatched, and out came Tony Logan. Obsessed with horror stories and films, he devoured them all and eventually wanted to create his own. Now he twists and manipulates words intended to terrify. His hellhound Achilles and hellcats Stoker and Belmont always at his side. Children of the Night, join me for Tony Logan's It's a Boy, a Tales to Terrify original. The head's crowning. Dr. Nazari wiped the sweat from his face. Not much longer. Levan held Dana's hand as he gripped his revolver with the other. It's almost here, sweetheart. It'll be all over then. He smeared his tear-filled eyes on his sleeve. You can handle this from here. Her pain is managed, and your son will be here momentarily. Shoot me, please. Dr. Nazari sighed and rubbed the back of his neck. A loud crash echoed from down the hallway. Nazari jumped and faced the door. Hurry, they're coming. Not until my son gets here. He gets as much time as we can give, Levon snarled. Another thunderous smash, closer this time. They're here, shoot me. Levon blasted around into the ceiling. Now there's only four bullets left. Whine again, and there won't be one for you. Azari exhaled as he crouched and waited. Dana's grunts and screams filled the room. The newborn slid into Nazari's hands. It's a boy, Azari cut the cord and wrapped the baby in a white blanket. Is he okay? Dana mumbled. Levan brought the newborn close to her face. He's here. Name him quickly, my love. Dana studied her son's face and smiled. She kissed his forehead. Adam. Levon hugged his son in his arms and leveled his firearm at Nazari. The doctor smiled. Congratulations. Levon fired. The bullet passed through Nazari's heart. He collapsed in a heap on the floor. A scream came from outside the door. Dana began to sob. It's time, my love. Levon sniffed. I'm ready. I love you. They kissed. I love you too. Levan fired the second bullet. The building shook as the chitinous talons pierced the walls and door. Levan peered into his son's eyes. All the things you won't get to do or see. I wish I could have thrown you a football or taught you to ride a bike. I wish I could have watched you grow into a man. I had to let you have a few precious breaths. A kiss from your mother. A warm hug from your dad. Goodbye, Adam. It's not fair, but it's all I can give you. Levon fired the pistol into the bundle and placed the bloody towel on the table next to his wife. 
He fell to his knees and bawled. His body trembled. The front door buckled and cracked. You're not getting us. Levon stood to his feet and waited. He wanted to stare these creatures in the eyes when he denied them his suffering. He wanted to see the swarming beasts that destroyed his whole country in less than a week. The horrors that ruined his family's future. The door frame tore away as the writhing bodies poured in. The creatures paused and glared at the bodies. Razor-tipped tentacles tore in a Nazari's body. Layer by layer, his flesh was absorbed. Skin first, then muscle, tendons, and cartilage. A pile of bones fell to the floor. So little blood, you fuckers are fishing. Levan raised the gun to his head. You're too late for us, though. I've denied you our misery. He pulled the trigger. A hollow clacking of the hammer striking the dud reverberated around the delivery room. Levan's smile faded. He screamed as the creatures flayed the flesh from his face. That was Tony Logan's It's a Boy, as read by Seth Williams. Seth Williams is a narrator who has read for Farfetched Fables, Starship Sofa, and Tales to Terrify, where he currently volunteers as editor. When not day-jobbing, he enjoys listening to fiction podcasts and audio drama. He shares his life with an amazing partner, dog, and a cat. Thank you, Seth. Our second story tonight comes to us from Connie Millard. Connie Millard is a full-time working mom of three who once made it to the final callbacks for the reality television show Worst Cooks in America. After much practice and perseverance, she now spends her time writing stories, in between stirring risotto. Her work has appeared in, or is forthcoming, in Potato Soup Journal, Tales from the Moonlit Path, and Black Ink Fiction Travel Anthology, among others. You can find her on Twitter at Connie Love Coffee. Listen with me, children of the night, to Connie Millard's Pen or Perish, a Tales to Terrify original. Emily is stuck. Her newest freelance writing assignments require her to compile genius life hacks for an organized closet, generate fail-proof tips for getting a promotion, and provide positive solutions, also known as no spanking, for raising well-behaved children which she doesn't even have. All the while, ingesting only 300 calories a day from her delicious kale smoothie recipe that she has to invent. Frustrated, 
She paces the perimeter of her apartment, folding her laundry, straightening her long brown hair, and binging daytime talk shows. She even calls her mother. Out of distractions, Emily resigns herself to testing a writing application recently mentioned by a colleague. Penner Parrish claims to eradicate writer's block and distractions by letting users punish themselves. If she ceases typing in the application window for a lengthy duration, her words will erase themselves one by one. Desperate times call for desperate measures, she thinks, and types in the web address. A flash of black, quick but disarming, startles her as a cartoonish typewriter shaped like a skull and crossbone materializes. She laughs and mumbles. Not exactly subtle there, guys. She clicks the I agree button, scrolling through the terms and conditions without even a cursory glance, and sets her word count goal. 500 words in 30 minutes. Aggressive, but feasible. A message window pops up from a system administrator named Brad, his thumbnail, the picture of a cheesy skull and crossbones logo. Hi, Emily. I'm Brad, and I just want to let you know that I'm available should you have any questions about the site, he messages. Thanks, Emily types. Also, I just want to verify that you selected our self-destruct mode. Some of our users have been unhappy with their deletions, so now we reach out to each user selecting that consequence for confirmation, Brad explains. I'm sure. Thanks for checking, Emily replies, closing the chat box. Emily devotes the first few minutes testing the application, typing nonsensical letters, and deliberately pausing to determine how long it takes for the self-destruct penalty to commence. About ten seconds. She watches transfixed by each word that mysteriously disappears. Brad's message pops up again. That's strike one, he says with a smiley emoji. Ha ha, Emily types, feeling inexplicably defensive. I was just testing it. Just kidding with you. Good luck, Brad replies. Two minutes later, Emily's phone rings, and she stares down at the number for a few moments, trying to place it. Her head snaps up, realizing she's wasted too much time trying to recognize the caller. The screen flashes red, the cursor eating her work. With a sigh of relief, she realizes only three words have disappeared. Strike two, Brad's message blinks again, with two irritating emojis this time. Emily ignores him and focuses, racing against herself to meet the deadline when a knock on her door startles her. Only four minutes remain on her timer, and she just hit the 400-word mark. She desperately searches for a pause button on the screen without success. Urgent, machine-gun-like tapping at the door rattles her, and she leaps up, snatching it open. No one's there. Angrily, she races back to the laptop just a second too late. Her screen blazes orange, and her words drip like blood smearing down the screen as she gapes, horrified. A loud knock booms again, but this time a voice right outside the door rasps. Strike three, Emily.
That was Connie Millard's Pen or Parish. Once again, read to us by Seth Williams. Thank you, Seth. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Our final story this evening comes from Sarah Lisa Anzaldua. Sarah Lisa Anzaldua is a Nahua Chicana philosopher earning a PhD at UCLA. Yah is an author from Texas that specializes in Nahua philosophy and writes horror short stories and poetry. Yah works in the tradition of the Tlamatini, the Mexican philosopher, and contributes to the indigenous community by fighting the ongoing cultural genocide through inclusive, decolonized pedagogy in education. You can read Sarah Lisa's work at ucla.academia.edu slash Anzaldua. Link is in the show notes. Listen with me, children of the night, to Sarah Lisa Anzaldua's Left Behind, a Tales to Terrify original. April, 1986 I can't do this without you. Please come with me. I need you. I need all of you. You're all that's left. Estli cried while holding tightly to Kuikotl's arm. The daughter looked into puffy red eyes. Estli's young, smooth face showed worry lines. Not even thirty... Estli's eyes and mouth had begun to crack with trauma and stress. 
Behind them was the house that was to be the last place any of the family ever stepped foot in. It was why Esli and Kamali had brought their children here. The house was two stories in bright yellow with white eaves. Big windows were framed by ornate lattices, and a wide porch hugged the whole structure. The house sat in a big lot with a small white wooden fence that encircled the property. Rose bushes dotted the green grass. The only shadow cast by the hot southern Texas sun was the open door, which was a yawning black maw. Kuikotl turned away from the house and looked back at Astley. The father, Kamali, stood beside Astley, and off to the side by the fence were Kuikotl's younger brothers, Oatley and Potley. They radiated with excitement and seemed eager to move from their small apartment, perhaps because they were too young to understand what was going on. Kuikotl squeezed the baby in your arms closer, a tiny thing dressed in a purple onesie and swaddled in a light blue blanket. My baby was just born. If we go in that house, Joko will never grow up. Kamale put an arm around Estli. We can find someone to take care of the baby. Our granddaughter wouldn't be alone in the world. Then, when Joko grows up, the child can come back to us, back to the house where it is safe. I won't leave my baby, Kuikotl cried. But you would leave your mother? Kuikotl, it is just temporary until Joko grows up. Your daughter will be okay for a little while. This is about all of us being together, safe. Who would we find? Where? Kuikotl whispered. Joko giggled and instinctively reached towards the mother with little fingers incapable of holding on to anything. Gimali wore no expression, and his voice was steady. We can make it work. We can find a way. Astley begged Kuikotl, Please, we've already lost one. I can't lose another. Kuikotl thought about Chikome, the eldest who was murdered two years ago. Tears fell from your face. It became hard to breathe. Joko began to whine and kick, but Kuikotl just squeezed the baby closer. November 1994 Coco is loco! Coco is loco! The other children chanted. Joko's head hung, and your fists were clenched. The adults were inside the small state school, where it was cool and away from the burning sun. For one hour each day, the students forced to live there were allowed to play outside. For one hour each day, Joko wanted to die. A favorite game was collecting the small pebbles that dotted the barren desert landscape and pelting Joko. 
one point for the torso, two for an arm or leg, five points for a finger or toe. The head was avoided to prevent adult interference. Though the pebbles were tiny, they still stung. As Joko bit your lip to fight through the tears and pain, the child stared hard at the ground. Ya watched as fire ants swarmed a small green lizard. It ran and rolled, but was overwhelmed by their numbers. Joko wiped the snot from Ya's nose and breathed hard while the ants tore the lizard to pieces. That's not my name, Ya whispered to the ants. Coco is loco. July 2000 As they trimmed the orchid on the kitchen windowsill, a gift from Kamali ten years ago, its bright purple petals were still as fresh as the day of their anniversary. Oatly and Potley were building a new kitchen table in the dining room. They laid down a large tarp after an admonishment to be careful with the wooden floors. Though they had the bodies of a ten- and eleven-year-old, they had the minds of grown men. Kamali and Kuikatl were repainting a room upstairs. Their soft footsteps echoing overhead reminded Estli of their presence and eased her anxiety. There was a knock on the front door, and Estli walked from the kitchen to let the grocer inside. Every week, John brought what they needed. No one in the family ever stepped foot outside the door. John brought dolly after dolly of food and household items into the hallway. Ya, too, was admonished about watching the wood floors. Y'all coming to the town picnic? It's going to be a big one this year on account of the millennium. The township hired a band and, from what I hear, paid a college tuition's worth of money on fireworks. John stepped outside and Estley handed Ya the money. Maybe next year. Estley closed the heavy wooden door and the hinge squeaked. Ya made a mental note to tell Kamali to oil it. December 2015 We're going, said Oatley. Ya and Potley stood in front of their mother who blocked the door. The heart-shaped glass pane had clouded over from the outside, and it was impossible to see through. The pastel blue wallpaper still snugly held to the doorframe. The polished wood gleamed from the light overhead. Estley towered over your son's adolescent bodies. Why? Estley's voice cracked. We're safe in here, and we have everything we need. We have each other. Oatley stepped forward, angry. But we've never had families of our own. We've never had friends or went to school. We've never lived. Potley put a hand on Oatley's shoulder. We've missed so much. We want to know what it's like out there. Estley's shoulders started to shake. 
You've both been in the house so long. You know what will happen when you go outside. You won't have any time left. They both nodded. Will you at least stay for Christmas? Those are some of my happiest memories. Everyone together for Christmas. Potley looked to your older brother. Okay, we'll stay for Christmas. Then we're gone, said Oatley. May 2035 Joko looked at the safety deposit box left by your biological mother. It took years to find it. Joko went through three private detectives and every spare cent you had. The result was a small steel box in a Brownsville bank. It sat in the middle of a black metal table with a matching chair that looked uncomfortable. Rows of similar locked boxes lined three walls from floor to ceiling, and fluorescent lights flickered overhead. I'll leave you to it, if there's nothing else, said the bank clerk who had walked Joko to the vault. Joko nodded. Thanks. After the clerk left, Joko twisted the key and looked inside. January 2036 Dear Jokoyotl, My biggest regret was letting you go. Two years before you were born, my sister, Chikome, was murdered. It almost destroyed our family. You came along, but your grandmother still couldn't live with the tragedy. So your grandfather built a house. It's a special place where things never age, and time has no effect inside that house. About a month after you were born, the house was finished, and we went inside. I wanted you to have a life. I wanted you to live. So I left you behind. After I left the house, I tried very hard to find you. My time is so short now that I'm back outside. There are so many things I want to tell you. But the most important thing is that I have always and will always love you. Love your mother, Kuikato. Joko reread the letter from the deposit box. Then you folded it back into your pocket and walked up the stairs of an old house. From the outside, it looked abandoned. The decay had rotted the foundation, and each stair creaked with Joko's weight. The side paint was a sallow green, and the once white eaves had ashened. But the P.I. had assured Joko that this was the house your grandfather had built the year before Ya was born. Joko knocked, but there was no answer. Yet turned the knob and pushed. The door heaved, and a blast of stuffy air rushed past. After Joko stopped coughing, Ya stepped inside. Books, knickknacks, newspapers, and various oddities littered the floor, all neatly stacked and specially placed but not leaving much room to move. 
Winding Yahweh, Joko came to the living room and almost missed the young woman sitting on the sofa amidst the horde. The woman had something in your lap. Hello? Joko asked tentatively. The woman didn't look up. You're finally here. Joko took a step closer. What happened to the others? A single tear rolled down the woman's cheek as Ya petted the cracked leather of a photo album. Gone. They left one by one. I finally got around to finishing the family photo album. You're in it. There's a picture from the day you were born. Joko approached and put a hand on the woman's shoulder. Ya looked down at the pictures. A man next to a girl on a bike. Four children running through a sprinkler. A young couple kissing. A mother and daughter rolling tortillas. Grandma, it's time, said Yoko in a quiet voice. Estlie clutched the photo album tighter and started to shake with sobs, but nodded. Wiping away the tears, Ya stood up. Joko wrapped your arm around your grandmother as they began to walk slowly towards the door. Every step, Esli would pause to look at something or stroke it. A clay dish with a toddler handprint, an old t-shirt neatly folded, an orchid that would never die. When they reached the threshold, Joko opened the door. Esli cringed, clinging to your granddaughter. Without either saying a word, they moved forward into the open air. That was Sarah Lisa Anzaldua's Left Behind, as read by yours truly. If you want to find out more about me, my personal webpage, which is painfully out of date, is idrewthis.ca, or check out talestoterrify.com slash staff. Well, children of the night... The hour is late, and we've run out of tales to tell. For now. Tales to Terrify is made possible by the tremendous generosity of our supporters on Patreon and PayPal. If you're not a supporter already, head over to patreon.com slash tales to terrify, where you'll find all kinds of perks, from ad-free episodes and bonus content to shoutouts and merch packs. Every dollar helps, and we appreciate it so much. Want another way to support the show that doesn't cost a cent? Head over to Stitcher or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. 
you'll not only put a smile on our faces, but help new listeners discover our terrifying tales. You can share your love of the show out in the world, too, with some Tales to Terrify merch. TalesToTerrify.com slash merch will shoot you over to our Tee Public store, where we've got a great collection of creepy, custom, and curated designs that's always growing, so check back often. Tales to Terrify is produced by Seth Williams, Pete Morsellino, Meredith Morgenstern, Julia Zellman, Brian Rollins, and myself, Drew Sebastini, with original theme by Nebulous Entertainment. Tales to Terrify is distributed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Join us again next week as we dredge up dark memories with more Tales to Terrify. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.